qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone, and welcome to another Strength in the Numbers. Now, have you ever been or perhaps known any finance colleagues stuck in their comfort zone trying to break out, but perhaps they didn't know how or don't know how? Well, in recognition of our upcoming 75th episode and now being listened to in over 120 countries, we've prepared a special episode where we share with you how five of our previous guest mentors have broken out of their comfort zones, the results they learned in doing so, why they did what they did, the impacts it had on them, their careers, their colleagues and organisations, and they share with you some ideas on how you can also do the same or similar. The guest mentors are in the following order, uh, Sabina Prenzlev Christiansen, and Sabina goes into how and why she felt she had to break outside her comfort zone, had to come out from behind her desk, and the mindset that helped her do that and the type of results she achieved with the business. Then we've got Robin Kijak, uh, who describes himself as your typical introverted accountant who perhaps lacked a bit of confidence, but how he then got the courage to get it outside of his comfort zone, get out onto the front lines in the business, what he learned in doing so, and also some useful steps for anyone else who feels similar can take to be as equally successful as Robin was. And then we've Lance Rubin, who's quite candid about why it's hard to learn how to get out of your comfort zone from a textbook. But then again, he says why it's perhaps a bit of a catch-22 and where having a growth mindset actually helped him get outside his comfort zone. And as well as the key thing to bear in mind when you're taking such an approach, our fourth guest mentor's experience is from Brad Eisenhuth, and Brad takes more of a strength-based approach to breaking out of the comfort zone. How you can perhaps find your sweet spot and a bit of clarity so that you have more of a successful exit and then are working on things that you're going to find most fun, rewarding, and that you're going to be most successful at for your organisations as well. And finally, our fifth guest mentor's experience is Paul Murphy, and Paul shares how he stepped outside of his comfort zone, what that looked like, And he also shares a great bit of advice and a couple of stories on how you can identify the best mentors for you to take some of the risk and fear out of doing so. And again, ultimately have a more successful experience in breaking out of your comfort zone. Now, I know everyone listening today is going to find something useful from these five guest mentors we've had on the show so far. And if you do want to follow with them or any of the resources they mention, you can find our show notes with the detailed timestamps as well at sitnshow.com slash podcast slash 075. And also don't forget to let your friends and colleagues know if they are struggling on breaking out of their comfort zones, they might you might actually just be doing them a big favour in helping them have more fun, successful and rewarding careers in finance. Now before I jump into the show, I just want to say a big thanks to everyone who's listened to the show so far. We wouldn't have got to 75 episodes without you. Or in fact has spread to 120 countries. So again, thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate what you've done for us to help grow our strength in the numbers. So without further ado, over to the show. I think that many of us just sit behind the screen, doing the numbers, doing the report, hand it over and don't think about it anymore. And that's kind of, you know, you're stopping yourself for being in, 
more into the business. You're stopping yourself for developing. You're stopping yourself for being a part of the decisions. So knowing what your bosses want to know, both uh, what they need or nice to know, you know, you have to get the relationship not only with your customers, but also with your bosses, the leaders, the managers, so on. And the thing is that when you get to that point where you know what kind of information they need to make the best decision, the work you have done is, is kind of perfect in that term that you are um, you're cutting down the time cost. You know what you give is the value for the best decision. And the relationship you have, the managers actually encourage you to do more and you get enrolled in more decisions and um, and discussions. So I think it's it's quite important. And as you said, I did this article which honors uh, um, reloaded and it was more about, I was getting, I was using this uh, finance report every month uh, for the manager to get the right decision for the forecast and so on. And I noticed that every time I was doing this, I always get the report from, well, actually, this was my customers. Just just remember that doing the, the defense and being in the Navy, there are so many levels of managers and uh, working uh, people. So it's kind of hard to understand where you are in the, <laughs> the change. But, <laughs> <laughs> but remember that I was kind of in the middle. So I have a lot of people under me doing, um, well, they were sailing the ships. And a lot of the staff over me was, you know, saying what they have to do so doing this report i have to get all the, my information from the lower levels to bring up to one report and go to the higher levels and often the lower levels were delaying in the report because they have n- no idea what's going on and they're you know they're doing anything else and too busy sailing and so on so i kind of just you know i opened the door and went out of my office and I visit them. I visit them and tell me, you know what, you're delaying my report. What's up? And they're saying, you know, we don't get the information either. And after that, I started to visit them um, often. And they started calling me because at the moment I got a view of what kind of work I was actually putting them through. And it was enormous. And just by you know picking up the phone or sending an email or just visiting, we cut down the time cost um, actually very big. And that relationship was for me perfect to do my reports. I was always ahead. Whenever one manager asked me of anything, I knew what was going on. I knew what the cost would be and I knew what kind of um, things we have to do to improve whatever was going on. So definitely relationship with the manager, leaning, managing up, um, not only down, is very important doing finance. And there's not very much, and there's not anyone doing it actually uh, in that context. I wish they would. I suppose... It's just taking care take care of all those around us. It's very easy to get trapped behind screens, particularly if, if that's how we've come into accounting and finance. Um, if you, I suppose if you worked in sort of like family businesses before and so on, you appreciate that uh, it's the people that make an organization at, at all levels. And, and therefore, you'd, you'd probably be more mindful to go and talk to people on the front lines, people doing the, the tough work. Um, to get an appreciation of where they're coming from, where you can make their their lives a bit easier, 
and I, I sort of I know I can think of my own stories as well that where I've done that and then they're actively reaching out to you to to sort of share with you what their challenges are you help solve them and then therefore your data flows speed up and therefore yeah. the 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 timeliness of what you're delivering to senior management is actually even better and probably um you know more enhanced than what they've ever seen before and all it, it is is simply getting out from behind your desk and going talking to real people so in terms of maybe some people that are <laughs> you know are still stuck behind their desks you know why should they why should they get out from behind their desks sabina well actually first of all i think you're talking about it's all about the mindset um i think it's uh it, it takes courage courage um, to go out there. Sitting behind the desk and look at the numbers is kind of a safe area. So when you go out of your comfort zone, you go out of the office and actually meet the customers, they will be um, challenging you for your knowledge about the numbers, why you do that, why are we going to do that, and so on. So when you go out there, you get a whole nother view of how the business works. And doing that, is so important for the numbers. I would never, I mean, never walk into a manager with a problem without two to three solution. And I can only do that if I know what's going on in the business. So I think mm-hmm. that it is so important to go out, to go away from the screen and go and learn just to get this relationship and to know what's in the business, how it works, who pays who, uh, where is shipping through and you know small things but it's it's behind the numbers was actually counting when you go out to management and tell them this the number is red or this number is perfect or whatever and have a story behind it because that would lead to what's going going through to the future important to be developing now if I'm, if I'm totally frank, I think the confidence piece is something that I've, I've not mm-hmm. sort of been great at in my early career. I, I mean, I was one of these typical finance people if through such a thing where I'm you know, very introverted. <laughs> I'm quite happy to sit, sit in my office and you know, get told these are what we did last week and, and put the reports together, distribute them. And I suppose you know, it hasn't been helped by email, if I'm quite honest. Because you know, email is, is sort of a way of getting out of having to talk to people. And that's how so I found yeah. it in the next start of my career is that now I could email reports off and never have to speak to anyone. It's brilliant. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's not the best way to approach things. So, you know, and I think that, that whole confidence in, in building relationships has, has become more and more important as I've gone through my career. And that was, and I, I, I suppose I. That was why how my uh, the article that uh, I wrote with Anders came about is that it was I started in a new job, so I had a fresh slate. You know, it was mm. uh, I've been in DHL ten years or so, so people knew me in DHL. Whether I moved around contracts, people already knew me. But I came into Wix, and it was totally a totally new environment, and I could you know I could set out from the start. This is how I'm going to do things, and I really pushed myself out of my comfort zone to to get to know people and start building relationships straight away, rather than before I would you know sit in the background and wait until I was needed. And I think that's where I've made the biggest leaps and bounds sort of d- development in my career so far. That's that's interesting. So like you'd gone through a lot of your career and I have to say, Robin, like I, I would feel I'm probably tend more towards the introverted side myself that you went through so much of your career and then you, you start coming out from behind your desk. I have to, I, I find 
email a bit of a crutch if if I'm yeah. be honest about it and uh, and then what got me going out of that was actually because I, I do a lot of global work it was actually getting on the phone with people or video messages because sometimes it's difficult to get out from behind your desk but that that's some achievement and I like what you did there it was a nice clean slate is there sort of yeah. any other advice to help our listeners because there's plenty of us out there that are that are like that and do need to push ourselves out of our comfort zone so is there any other advice you would give to our listeners on, on how to practically go about doing that? I think it's, it's, it's very much you just have to get the, get the kahunas, for want of a better word, just get out there and do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, it's, it's, you know, the first time you do it is difficult, uh, but you, know, you find that people aren't as bad as you probably make out in your mind. Um, yeah. And I, I know recently I went on, um, I think it was a SEMA the seminar lecture and they were talking about finance business partnering and building relationships and they, they gave quite a, a useful uh, sort of relationship steps if you like so okay. to begin with you just ask your questions because people like to talk about themselves so it's you know get out there and ask questions of people and then show an interest in what they're saying and, and it, made, you know, it made sense because if that's what people like to do then let's build on that see what happens and then you know, seek an understanding of where they're coming from what their you know their values are their and what, what they see is important in the business and then you know you can start i know um, a big word is collaboration at the moment and start cooperating with each yeah. other and um, so you know if you need if you need a favor it's a so that you scratch more back or scratch your type thing and i think that's yeah. that's sort of then where you start building the trust and that relationship then grows Uh, I think the rest is is getting out of your comfort zone, um, and and that's hard. You can't really learn that. Um, but I think one of the things that you know um, you can probably tell from my accent. I'm South African, um, living in Australia, um, and I've lived in three cities. And so I think throwing my throwing myself into challenges and 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 grappling with it and and being resilient. I take um, uh, what's called a growth mindset with a lot of things and and. Um, you know, I think being able to um, navigate through through complexity is a skill set that that is definitely something that that people want to develop. the The key thing is you can't develop it unless you throw your thing you, yourself at a challenge. So I think you know, yeah, people, it's catch twenty two. Yeah, it's catch twenty two. So people say, oh well, I want to build resilience, but then I don't want to <laughs> do that stuff that's difficult. So I think yeah. you know, you, you you can't have your cake and eat it. If you want to build resilience, you have to throw yourself challenges. I've thrown myself a huge challenge. You know, after 20 years in corporate, I've decided I'm going to start my own business, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you know, pick up, pick up and, and believe in myself and try and, uh, you know, drive some value for people out there and um, down the track as well, obviously for myself. But ultimately, you know, I think throwing yourself at, at things that you're not quite sure how it's going to turn out is, is part of that, that journey. Uh, you know, NAB, um, NAB is a, was an incredible place to work. And um, one of the things that they um, brought into the finance function was this concept of growth mindset. And um, they gave every finance person um, Dr. Carol Dweck's uh, book on growth on, oh. on, on, on mindset. And um, everything that we were doing, uh, uh, you know, at that point in time was, was, was going to be around this concept of, um, not yet. So I think, um, you know, the key thing is, I, you know, I read the book, um, it resonated with me 100%. It's not just about finance. It's actually about your career as a parent, um, you know, as, as a oh. professional sportsman, you know, and, and the concept is, um, you know, if you're faced with a challenge, um, you know, you have two options. You can take a growth mindset approach or a fixed mindset approach. And the fixed mindset approach says, 
it's too hard. The people who do it are just born that way and I'm never going to be able to do it. And so they give up and, you know, business is too tough. And so um, it's just ne never, never going to work. But, um, you know, uh, Dr. Dweck actually did some research and actually realized that people who were less privileged um, had less money um, were actually exceeding kids who had privileges purely because they pushed themselves time and time again. And so this is the story about, I cannot do this yet. I'm not good at it yet. Like financial modeling. No one, no one gets born as a professional financial modeler. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, you, don't, you don't suddenly take a, a, you know, the, the, the blue pill or the red pill and say, hang on, I'm going to go and I'm going to suddenly be Keanu Reeves and be this cool modeler. You know, it doesn't happen. Right? It's about hours and hours of long, hard slog. And, and that's how you get better at it. And so I think, you know, again, it, you, know, you can apply it to not just financial modeling, but to anything. Anders had a great, um, made a great uh, statement on, on one of your podcasts back. He says, get off your desk and go have a conversation. Oh, right? yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. When I heard yeah. that, I thought, you know what? That's exactly what people have to do. And so what's Jeez, stopping yeah. you from doing that? Well, it's the fear, right? And so, oh, that's, that, that's too scary. So I think you, you, you've got to do it. You, you know, you've got to, you know, you're not going to be good at business partnering sitting behind your desk. And you know what? You're probably not going to be good at business partnering the first time you go and you stand in front of a customer. But over time and with resilience and learning, you will get there. And I think that's, that, that's the point. So I think definitely the readers should have a look at um, the book on mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck. There's a great uh, a YouTube clip as well, um, um, okay. which I often show that's people. So, um, you know, maybe you want to put it on, uh, on a link to, um, to, to the podcast. Now, sometimes what people feel is great and what you can deliver is not right, right? So what you start to, uh, you, you start to realize, well, hang on, where is my strength and where is this organization going? This, this doesn't play to my strengths. In fact, it's an environment that doesn't make me feel good and I can't perform effectively here. Then maybe that's a really good indication that you're not in the right environment to create strong performance. And you start to look at, well, where is it that I, I can find this sweet spot? Where can I get a balance between where I'm going and where my, my strengths and performance can be? really really valued the, the final two parts are influence and network so influence is about how you convey your message as a leader so there's this external component now we're all leaders we're all influencing others we're all engaging with others you know regardless of whether we're in accounts payable and dealing with a supplier or a financial definitely the financial controller or, or a you know finance business partner dealing with the sales and marketing team or whatever it may be there's always an element of an influence and a need for the other party to to come on a journey with us and realizing that we're a leader uh, as early as possible is is very important now that conveying of message helps us in different ways it can help us you know achieve a promotion it can help us build and collaborate with others it can help us um, you know message uh, something to a very large audience and a group and, and, and take them where they need to go. Um, the second part of influence is, is our internal influence. So it's looking at resilience and mental toughness. When when I talk to a lot of finance professionals, they say to me things like, I'd love to be a CFO or I'd love to do these sorts of things. But then the mental toughness piece falls over. So what they need to do to get to this goal they're perhaps not prepared to do. They won't go out of their comfort zone to move into places or do things. Perhaps it's they're lacking 
a little bit of confidence. Perhaps it's the know-how. Perhaps it's um, you know this whole idea of um, you know uh, just generally doing what needs to be done and being prepared to 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 be resilient through some challenges, right? But this whole idea of mental toughness and resilience, bouncing back. Resilience is about bouncing back from challenging times and being flexible and malleable in the way that your your emotions handle with challenges and, and mental toughness, being prepared to achieve a goal. Um, the final piece going back to that is you know, bringing this all together is network. So the sweet spot is we have great people around us that help us achieve. And those people can be within our organization. They, they help us get things done. And and, and, and naturally, in, in the eyes of those people that you work with, you want to be seen as someone else can, can add value to them as well. Um, and then also externally. So, you know, talking about the example I talked about with the SAP implementation before or, or, or the mentorship example you used in your own career, Andy, you know, these people that can show us what the other side of the fence looks like, how can we get there a little bit more efficiently, how can we solve these problems in a way that is uh, more effective. And once you get these people around you, you tend to find that, you know, the, the, the cycle of doing and working on all of those four components uh, typically leads you to a place where you're, you're feeling really rewarded, you're feeling happy, you're probably attracting good opportunity and, and you know, you're waking up in the morning excited. It doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're not challenged. In fact, it probably means that you do have challenges and, and things that you need to do to, to make a difference. But ultimately, you know, as I said, going back to that clarity and performance component, these are things that invigorate you. These are things that, that make you excited and happy so once you if you can go through that cycle and, and think about well where where is it that i might have a deficiency for a lot of people there's that issue on clarity that are they doing things that genuinely make them happy and testing that and challenging that and getting some some feedback around that is really really powerful for others it's network it's it's that they have they don't actually they haven't invested in their network over their career you know they've worked with some really fantastic people early in their career and they've just let them wander off and, and not maintain a relationship or value that relationship and there's a lot of things that can come on stuff. So my view, typically, when you look at that sweet spot concept, is think about within those four areas, um, what is it that potentially might uh, might be a deficiency or might be holding you back from uh, from reaching this version of success or, or career 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 value that you're you're looking for. So absolutely, and maybe uh, what might be useful for your listeners is if I just talk you guys through how I went more commercial and I maybe broke out of your, your financial control-esque roles. So basically, I left Big Four and didn't wasn't a huge fan of audit, but it was great training in retrospect. Went into a media company in a financial control role and wasn't a huge fan of it, wanted to go more commercial. And to do this, I'd always be on the lookout for new roles, like always, all year round, not only internally, but lots of different companies in different industries. I'd just always be um, on the lookout because getting the sexier, inverted commas, yes. commercial roles is tough. So I, I always, in the last three, four roles since coming out of that big four, I always stepped out of my comfort zone. I always found the roles, the best roles weren't necessarily necessarily a promotion in the company that I was in already. So that was a big thing for me. Definitely. I think if you, you mentioned stepping out of your comfort zone, if you go to a different company, 
you learn so much more and you, the status quo won't be the same, the politics might be the same, et cetera, et cetera. So I've, I've and I might mention a, a friend of mine in the book uh, later on, I've learned a huge amount and my CV is way better for jumping around a little bit. And, and I think that's the thing you can do in your 20s, maybe yeah. not so much in your 30s. It's maybe like, well, what is this guy at? But in your 20s, a big theme of the book is Try different things out. Don't settle for doing a cushy role for more than you should. Try and vary your skills and try and get different experiences so you can figure out which you like. And then the stuff you most enjoy, if you really enjoy what you do, everything else will come easier. Everything else will just uh, fall into place. So, so just to continue on that one, uh, or just to finish that one off, oh, yeah. Went to financial control uh, role, then went to a financial planning analysis role, but it was very commercial. It was me business partnering with like 50-year-old directors and looking at commercial contracts, looking at how we drive down uh, cost per trains, utilization rates in a warehouse. So it was very, very commercial. And then I went and did big projects. So I did a, a billion pound roll out of an ERP system where I was basically looking at cost-saving initiatives. So how could we outsource pieces of work? How could we charge our contractor, pay our contractors less? How could we not do pieces of work? How could we, um, simple things, like how could we uh, make pieces of the deployment overlap? So how much could we save out of that billion pound for a rainy day? And then my current role is that big integration and that, again, was unlocking huge benefits from synergies and putting your heads together with the senior ops guys and saying, okay, well, is this the best use of this uh, money for the company? If it was your uh, money, would we be doing this for yeah, the company? That's a great question. So, so it was kind of stepping out of my comfort zone, doing lots of different roles, lots of different industries. And with that, I found I really liked the commercial stuff. I really liked being in the, in the trenches with the business. And I think for your listeners, once you kind of do some of that trial and error and figure out what you like, you know, you might like financial control. But once you kind of figure out what you like, then I'd advise trying to find a person five or 10 years older than you yeah. uh, with the role that you might like, whether it's CEO, COO, or just an FD maybe, and saying, okay, this guy is such and such experience, such and such skills. Do I have those skills? If not, how do I pick those up? What do I need to get there so that I can, I can be at the interview table uh, looking for a job like theirs? You know, so LinkedIn, we didn't have LinkedIn uh, 15, 20 years ago. Now you can type in head of commercial finance, CFO. You can, a lot of guys have all their CVs on there. So I would really encourage anyone, and not just like a young person or a person in their 30s. If you want to be an executive director, you know, go find those people. Have, have coffees with them. So, yeah, that, that's how I would say get into the more fun roles, as you say. Yeah, actually, Paul, you just reminded me something on my own career journey. I was really bad at asking for advice and help early on. And that's one thing I wish I'd changed. I wish the moment I was out at university looking for those people, maybe if we didn't have LinkedIn, maybe I'd be too kind if I said that. But that's really great advice, breaking it down in terms of how to get the most out of your career. And in finance, there's loads of different types of roles. There's compliance, there's controllership, there's fp and there's commercial finance. 
Then there's the, the leadership levels as well. And there's also people in finance branching out into areas like customer success also because of our ability to see end-to-end across the business and look to unlock value yeah. within the business. So the, the really, you know, we get really good skills that's coming out of university from a technical perspective or from our counter qualifications to make the most of them. I think we just need to go and have conversations with people in the roles we feel that we'd like to do. And, and you also made an import, important comment there. It's trial and error. I don't think we'll we'll make that level of success or that fun or that enjoyment without a bit of error. So so I suppose what what was probably the worst thing or in your mind or did anything really bad happen for you when you stepped outside your comfort zone? No. And so I interviewed all of those guys I interviewed in my book and a lot of the entrepreneurs who are very successful, I interviewed like nine entrepreneurs, a lot of those guys stepped out of the comfort zone and did any of them regret it? Not a single iota. And, and I think if you ever asked anyone the same question, I think it'd be a really, really slim minority of people go, oh, no, I should have stayed where I was. But it's just it's just making that initial step, you know. I suppose in terms of the book, what was sort of the biggest learning for you after after doing the book in terms of yourself or maybe from the people that you were you were interviewing? I suppose myself. I found I got a huge buzz out of it. So writing it, getting it published, 1,200 odd copies were downloaded in the first five days. And going on on a couple of podcasts like this, getting good feedback on my blog saying, wow, you really helped me with such and such an interview. All of that, I got a, I'm sure you do as well. I got a great buzz out of it. And in finance, you know, I never really got that buzz. You know, working with the project team is good and it's, it's fun. But, you know, I was like, oh, well, maybe, maybe I should have done something, <laughs> something more creative. So that's what I kind of, my, my big learning for myself. And then I guess in terms of learning for people reading it, uh, there's just so much pieces of advice offered, so many pieces of advice. So everybody was so willing to help because, as you say, they really learned the hard way or they had a couple of years as a bad role and they wanted people to kind of get the learnings from that. So they'd offer three, four, five pieces of advice and they say, if you were me, if you were in my shoes, I would have done this or et cetera, et cetera. So I had like three, four, five hundred pieces of advice. I'm trying to condense them at the back. I have about 11 pages of the most recurring kind of themes. And I'm pretty sure if people read them, they'd be like nodding their heads going, oh, yeah, I did that. I did that. Or, yeah. And it's just, I think it's just human nature that you do these things. And you only, in hindsight, you might maybe realize the, you know, maybe what you should have done. So that's the whole point of the book. It's 10 years of people's hindsight and trying to um, help people in their 20s, late 20s, and even, you know, um, there's tremendous life advice in there so even people who are a bit older you know it's like it's really valuable stuff I think so so but thanks maybe, maybe I could just touch on some of the, the good finance interviews that I can think of yeah if you could yeah yeah what was what's the ones that stand out in your mind a lot of them kind of are linked to what we've been talking about so one of them uh, is a guy called Kevin so Kevin basically worked his way up from a grad program to be a manager in a corporate finance um, division of a big, big company in Dublin. And so then he went off and worked as a right-hand man to a billionaire investor. Oh, wow. And so now he's, he's in his 30s. He set up his own very successful consultancy. 
And he, in the book, he talks about uh, the importance of having good personality. So I think in finance, people sometimes are inclined to stay at their desk, churning out numbers. You know, they're very busy with month-end deadlines or forecast deadlines, and they don't really place much importance on building relationships and growing their networks. So I don't know about you, but I've worked with loads of people in finance that do great jobs, but nobody really knows about them outside their little you know, area. And Kevin, he's, <laughs> Kevin is a big believer in the more people you know, the better jobs you're going to get. It's a number game. Like the majority of his clients in that consultancy now, he's flying. Uh, he built those relationships up in the last five, 10 years, and it opened so many doors. So I think you were, you were talking about you didn't reach out to people or you didn't want to reach out to people. And I don't think it comes naturally to people in the UK and Ireland. But now I think that's, the, that's one of the big things in the book. Everyone said, oh, I would have reached out to more people. I now understand the, the importance of networking. Very often, you know, you don't interview for a great job. If you have a network, you just get it. So that was, that was Kevin sprung to mind. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.